Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. The more you ship, the more you save. With Canada Post Solutions for Small Business, we'll reward your repeat business with automatic savings. Visit canadapost.ca forward slash small business to see how you can start saving up to 34% on shipping in Canada. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. And today we are thrilled to have Janet Bannister, partner at Real Ventures, on the show today. Janet is a partner at Real Ventures, a leading source of capital for entrepreneurs who are building the next generation of leading tech companies. Janet has led investments in over a dozen companies and works actively with founders to help them build large, industry-defining companies. Not only that, but Janet is also very active in the Canadian tech ecosystem. She's on the board of Communitech in Waterloo and Vector Institute in Toronto, as well as the Toronto Region Board of Trade. She is also an active investor in Move the Dial, DMZ, Creative Destruction Lab, and the research board of the University Health Network. In 2004, Janet launched Kijiji.ca and grew it to become one of the most visited websites in Canada. Today, Janet is on the show to talk to us about leading the way in women in finance, in capital, and encouraging greater capital going into the hands of women entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Janet. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. And it's wonderful to have you. So before we dive right into things today, what are the top three things you want the audience to take away regarding startup funding and funding for women entrepreneurs in Canada? Thank you very much. So I have uh, three things uh, that I would love the audience to take away. First of all, Canada is an amazing place to start and grow a business. Secondly, there has never been a better time to be a female entrepreneur. And thirdly, for all the entrepreneurs who are listening to this, I would encourage you to follow your passion and be ambitious and bold. That's fantastic advice, Janet. Thank you. So, Janet, have you seen your efforts pay off in trying to get more capital into the hands of women entrepreneurs? 
And what's the time frame you've seen on that change for getting that capital to women entrepreneurs? Absolutely. So we have definitely seen more capital going into the hands of women, which is very exciting. So I have been at Real Ventures for five and a half years. As you mentioned, uh, Real Ventures is one of the largest, most active early stage venture capital firms in Canada. Um, When I started at Real Ventures, as I said, about five and a half years ago, there were very few women founders that I would see. Today, um, I think there has been, I would say, a three to five X increase, like three to five times increase in the number of women founders that I see, which is incredibly exciting. I can tell you, for instance, um, in the last two years that we have been investing, almost half of the companies that we invest in have a female co-founder. So, Yeah. So really, really great to see that. And um, I think then the question is, hey, what is changing this? There have been a lot of initiatives. I mean, you know, you look at whether it be Communitech, which launched a Fierce Founders program, or DMZ, which launched a program to help women entrepreneurs. Techstars is doing more around women, around funding women. Uh, BDC now has a fund dedicated to investing in women. So there's been a lot of change in the support system. However, I believe that actually the biggest thing that has changed is the role models. Because I really believe, you know, it's been said, hey, you can't be what you cannot see. And I will tell you, uh, for instance, um, four years ago, I went down and I was participating at the University of Waterloo. And this was students who were graduating from their engineering program and they were developing, they had developed business ideas. And so I was participating in the day and I met with 20 companies, each of which had three founders. So a total of 60 students who were just graduating from University of Waterloo's engineering program and were starting their own business. Of those 60 entrepreneurs that I met with that day, there was one woman. I don't know what that stat would be today, but I think it would be a lot higher. And the question is, you know, why are more women opting to go into into entrepreneurship. And as I said, I think, yes, all of these programs have helped, but I think the biggest thing is seeing other women succeed. So for instance, um, whether you look at Michelle, who is a co-founder of ClearBank or Humera at Canvas or Eva Wong at Borwell or Nora at Majuri or Marie at Sampler or Joanna at Nix. I mean, the list goes on and these women are getting press coverage, they're out, they're speaking at events, and they are definitely encouraging other women who think, wow, if they can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And that really, I, I think that really crystallized it exactly what you said there, the um, you can't be it if you can't see it. That's exactly it. And, you know, it, it really just comes down to somebody being like, well, no, this is something real that happens because I'm doing it. And yeah, just making that chain reaction is, is something that's, uh, that's incredible to see. And given that and uh, building on a lot of the women founders that you just mentioned and a lot of the, the companies you just mentioned as well, what are some of the most interesting companies you're investing in right now? So, of course, I think all of the companies that we invest in are incredibly interesting and incredibly exciting. Um, One area that I can talk about, though, given my background, um, as you mentioned, you know, working at eBay in Silicon Valley, um, launching and building Kijiji in Canada, 
um, I have a real passion and interest in marketplaces as a result. And so I am particularly interested in new marketplace models. And a lot of these models are what I what we would call SaaS-based marketplaces, which often means that they may not look like a traditional marketplace. Often there is a SaaS fee, so um, you know where the some one side of the marketplace pays on a monthly or annual basis for access into the marketplace, and then the marketplace is developed over time. So for instance, companies in our portfolio that would be in that category are companies such as PartnerStack, which in a, which has a network of partners or resellers for large companies to, or sorry, I should say actually any size companies to access a partner distribution network in order to increase their sales. Um, we have another company called Cala, C-A-L-A, that is enables fashion designers to access a marketplace of uh, fashion producers or fashion manufacturers. And, you know, there's other ones in our portfolio as well, Tread, which is in the construction space. And so I think that I love working on those companies because I can leverage my experience in marketplaces, but they are marketplaces that don't necessarily look like the old marketplaces. They have a bit of a wrinkle in them. Um, but I think that they are going to be a huge uh, driver of change in a lot of industries going forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you for those overviews. So when women entrepreneurs are looking for finance, how should they engage with others and those who can provide it? So, you know, what I would suggest to women that they do the same thing as I would suggest for males, for anybody, frankly, to get financing. And I think the first thing is to lay out a clear plan. Um, and specifically what I mean by that is lay out a vision uh, you know, where where do you see the business going? Where do you want to take it? What's the plan to get there in terms of, you know, strategy, marketing, people, team? What is it going to look like? So, and then figure out, hey, how are you going to fund? And then the ne- how are you going to fund the company? And then the next step is to really understand the different sources of capital and therefore who you should be approaching. So I think there's a lot of talk about, venture capital. Venture capital definitely is a way to fund a business. However, it's not the way to fund every business. And I think that that's incredibly important for entrepreneurs to understand is, is this a business that I should be talking to venture capitalists about? Or is it a business that I should be talking to angels about? Or is it a business that maybe I should just be financing internally with a, with some help from a player like BDC who can provide some debt financing? And I think in terms of answering that question, one thing to keep in mind is, hey, how do each of those different um, capital providers think about the world? And it's important to understand, for instance, that venture capitalists will only invest in a business that they believe is going to be huge. They want to invest in businesses that they think can be worth a billion dollars or at least several hundred million dollars. And so if you have a business that may not be on that path, it doesn't mean it's not a good business. It can be a fantastic business. However, it may not be a venture capital type of business, and maybe you should think about other sources. Um, And then I would say, hey, once you figure out who your target is, then the next question is, okay, how do you get 
into the target. And I would say if you can leverage, if you can figure out a way to, to leverage your network, leverage people you know, ask for introductions to get in front of the right people. And then when you meet with them, ensure that you are telling a compelling story to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have two questions that I kind of want to follow that one up with. And the first one is is kind of a common theme that gets brought up when I hear about uh, anybody in the finance space really talking about uh, funding and um, entrepreneurs looking for funding. It seems that really what needs to be done is all of the groundwork, all of the, you know, basically the roadmap drawn out uh, ahead of time before researching and finding these funders and saying and coming to them with saying, I have all the pieces in place. All I need is your support in order to build this where I think it should be. Um, I think, yeah. And I think uh, my my question off of that is how much work do you think, what would be the proportion of work um, between starting your business and looking for funding that needs to be done before approaching uh, venture capitalists for this funding if that's a model that works for your business? So... Um I think it's a good question because some entrepreneurs will say, well, wait a minute, are you telling me I need to have all the answers before I go and talk to somebody who's going to provide capital, but how can I get those answers unless I talk to them? Mm-hmm. And and so I think, yes, ideally you do have a, um, a lot of sort of the end. I, th- I think I would say a couple of things. First of all, talk to your, you, you only have a, a one chance to make a first impression. So you want to make sure that you go into the meetings prepared. That being said, you should definitely, you know, where can you get that information? You can research it online, talk to other founders, um, talk to folks such as, um, you know, the folks at Startup Canada. Other resources can be very helpful. And then I would say in terms of what I think funders most want to see is, yes, is they expect you to be an expert on your business and to have thought about, you know, the different types of capital. But I know for me personally, if I see an entrepreneur who evidently has done their homework around the different sources of capital, may not 100% understand it all, but they really understand their business and they've taken steps to try to understand and, and to read and do their research, then that's great. You know, I don't expect them to know everything about financing when we sit down um, and happy to provide feedback as long as, as I said, it looks as though they have done some homework and they have a clear vision on their business. Mm-hmm. So an, an idea of the direction they want to take it and the, the best fit for uh, funding that they could get going forward is what you'd want to see when somebody walks in the door. Yes, exactly. Okay, great. And my second question is, uh, would entrepreneurs like, would, do you think it's as a sustainable kind of business model is the wrong word, but would, would you say it's a sustainable kind of methodology to start a business with by saying that, you know, I am starting this business and I will need funding in order to ensure its success? Or do you think that businesses should be aiming first at creating revenue and creating profit first before looking for funding? So I think it can go either way. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're developing, for instance, we've invested in a couple of companies that are producing chips. Would they need money? By definition, in terms of what they're doing, they need significant capital before they're ever going to get a product to market and generate significant revenue. So in that case, you know, you, you need, however, um, I think as an investor, we look for 
proof points that make us feel comfortable in the business. And one way to think about it is I think about three dimensions. Um, one is team, one is vision, and one is traction. So, you know, hey, what's the team like, right? And, and I can talk more about that if you want. What's, what's the vision? Do we believe in sort of where this business is going, what the strategy is, what the competitive advantage is, what the, like all sort of all of that business plan type of thing wrapped up. And then the third thing is traction. And the traction can be shown. So a couple of points on that. First of all, traction can be shown in different ways. I think that it is good to have traction, but traction does not necessarily mean revenue. So again, going back to the example of a chip company that's going to need a lot of money before they raise money, their traction may be, hey, we have some prototypes, we have some initial um, indications of, of that, we're, that we're on the edge of a breakthrough. The other thing I would say as you think about those three different levers is it's sort of like, hey, a weighted average across them. And so what I mean by that is let's say you have a super strong team and a huge vision that like and that that and those two are really solid, then you really don't need as much traction. On the flip side, if say you have an unproven team. You may the investors may say, okay, I'm really looking for a little bit more traction before I fund this and a solid vision. Okay. So that that framework may be helpful. Okay, so it's like it, it's a balancing between three scales then. Yes. And that's specifically for companies that would be uh, saying we need funding to make this business work. Okay. And how about for startups coming with uh, a successful business model already? What would your be, what would your best advice for pitching for them be in order for them to say, you know, we're making money, we're doing well, obviously, but we want to kick this up to the next level? Yeah. So I think in that case, what I would suggest for companies is that they have a clear plan in terms of what do they need money, like how much money do they need? What are they going to use it for? And how is the business going to grow as a result? So I think that that's sort of like the that basic modeling so that they can tell an investor, I'm raising X dollars, here's what it's going to be used for, and here's how my business is going to grow as a result. So I think that's um, sort of a key thing that, that they, sort of the foundation. And then once they understand that, then they can figure out, okay, based on that, which sort of investors should I be talking to? Mm -hmm. It seems to me that uh, that the one model uh, looking for funding in order to be successful is almost as if people are kind of getting on a ship while it's still at the dock and saying, hey, come and come with us on this journey and believe on us versus uh, somebody that's already out on the sea, you know, kind of sailing by and they're saying, hey, you can jump on board if you want, or if not, you know, we'll do what we need to do to get ahead for ourselves. Yes, I think that's a good analogy. And you have different types of investors who will invest at different stages. Um, and the, the sort of, I'll say, the closer to the dock that you are, the, um, you know, the, the lower the valuation will be in terms of when investors say, okay, what is the current value of your business? Mm -hmm. So Janet, what advice would you have for women looking to get into finance as VCs or angels? What steps should they take when they start this journey? So this is just to be clear, this is for women who want to enter, who want to become VCs or want to become angel investors, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So 
I would say, first of all, in terms of, I'll answer them a bit differently for VCs and angels. First of all, for women looking to become angel investors, I would um, encourage them to do that. That is fantastic. And there are a couple of different groups in Canada that are designed to help women become angel investors and learn how to become great angel investors. Um, one group is called Female Funders, and there's a couple of other ones. So I would encourage them to reach out to those networks in order to learn. The other thing I would encourage female, or frankly, any angel investors to do is, you know, get out and talk to entrepreneurs, really understand um, businesses, and even go to some angel groups and really understand, um, you know, different companies, different and I would encourage investors to set a target for themselves and meet with, say, maybe it's 20, 25, 30 companies before they write a first check. I think that that is really important so that they can then calibrate um, different companies. Often I see angels who get excited about wanting to become an angel investor and they go out and they meet with two or three companies and then write a first check. And so... You know, I just think, hey, you know what? You really need to meet with a bunch of different companies to calibrate yourself. The other thing I would say to new angel investors is to be very clear in terms of what is your approach? What is your strategy? Think of yourself as an angel investor in terms of as a business. And by that, what I mean is, you know, who is your target investment? What type of companies do you want to invest in? Hopefully that is ideally leveraging either your connections or your skill set. Um, what's what value do you bring to the companies? Because Every company, or not every company, a lot of companies have the choice of who they take money from in this day. And I always think about for the great companies, for the great entrepreneurs, capital is a commodity. And so you need to have a particular value that you are going to be able to provide to the entrepreneurs in which you invest. Um, and then, you know, also I would say before you start writing checks as an angel investor, really think through how many investments am I going to do? How much am I going to invest in each company? Am I going to reserve money for the follow on rounds? What is how, you know, how quickly will I, what is my sort of my pacing in terms of how many checks I will write and how quickly I will write those? So really lay that, laying that out at the beginning is what I would advise to, any, as I said, anybody who wants be, to become an angel investor. In terms of getting into VC, um, I happen to believe that being in VC is a great place to be. I absolutely love being in venture. The, uh, you know, it used to be that, um, let's call it 10 years ago, the path to get into venture capital was through finance. And that has changed dramatically. And today, the um, sort of the desired skill set to get into venture capital is more of an operating background. And so venture firms are increasingly looking for people who have operating experience, either as a founder or as an early employee, and have built companies. And what that does is it then gives them much greater empathy and understanding of the entrepreneurs and an ability to add value having sat in that chair. So I would encourage, as I said, women or anybody who wants to get into VC, I would say, hey, like going 
doing an operating role, being an entrepreneur, that's a great way to get in. And also, I would say, you know, start talking to people who are in the venture industry, start to mentor startups, build your reputation as somebody who entrepreneurs want to work with, who entrepreneurs respect. And that will go a long way towards helping you both understand whether you really do want to be in the venture industry, as well as giving you a head start to if you decide you do want to get into venture. Mm. I think that was a great point you hit on the note of uh, on the note of empathy because I think that's really what a lot of this relationship can kind of boil down to is the ability to to stand in each other's shoes uh, and know from your own experience what it's been like to you know be with a, be with a company or found a company or lead one or be part of the team at whatever stage this company that you uh, may potentially invest in as a, as an angel or as a VC uh, might be. Uh, it's really seems to be more so it's it's not it's it's almost more a, a relationship on equal footing than I think most people would see uh, from the outset or you know at first glance because it's almost as if you know not only are the are the startups pitching to investors but it's it has to be the investor as well making a good case for why they should be the one that uh, the entrepreneurs align themselves with so closely. Yeah, you know what? I couldn't agree more. I think that being successful in investing, it's all about human relations. Um, you know, I suppose in all business, it's human relations, communication skills are critical. But I would say in what I'm doing now in, in terms of investing, it's more critical than any other industry I've seen. And what's interesting is, you know, you could, I mean, I view it, it's all personal relationships. It's you know, we invest in a company, and as you said, hey, it's an equal relationship. Um, I would actually view it as I am there to serve the entrepreneur. If we invest in a company, we would typically we typically take ten to maybe twenty percent ownership. So we have no control over the company, but our interests are aligned with the entrepreneur. And so, frankly, I don't want control over the company. What the way I view myself and what I want to do is I want to be in service of that entrepreneur and of the company. And I view it very much as, hey, my role is to help that entrepreneur and help that company be successful in any way that I can, recognizing that I will never know as much about the business as that entrepreneur does. There's no way I will ever know as much as about the business. However, Hopefully, I can bring another perspective from my experience and from what I see at different startups, the mistakes that they've made, the, the um, challenges that they've overcome, the successes that they've had, and bring that perspective to the table. Stay in your place and play your position. Yes. So to change tack a little bit, uh, what, in your opinion, is the government doing well to support uh, and close the gap between men and women entrepreneurs? And what do you think still needs to be done? So I think what the government is doing well is they have recognized the importance of female entrepreneurs as a driver for our economy and as a driver for our society. And they have recognized that they therefore need to support female entrepreneurs. And they are doing a lot of programs to that end. So for instance, I mentioned earlier the uh, BDC's $200 million fund focused on women-led companies, and they are supporting a lot of initiatives to help female founders. I would also say, by the way, having traveled um, throughout the U.S., 
Asia and Europe that Canada, from what I've seen, I think that Canada really is leading the world in terms of the level of attention and support that they are giving to female entrepreneurs. So I think that's great. In terms of what more needs to be done, I think that there is an opportunity, uh, not just for, for females, but for everybody, is we need to increase the number of STEM students and graduates that are coming out of Canada um, if we are going to ensure a successful, prosperous future for the country. And I'm talking in terms of both tech entrepreneurship as well as sort of more broadly. And as you know, females are underrepresented in, um, in, in, or females are underrepresented in postgraduate STEM uh, education. So I think that we need to do more to address that. Now, in terms of what the government can do specifically, um, I know there's been, I've seen the data and there's a lot of talk that, hey, the country as a whole needs to be producing more STEM graduates. They need to be providing more resources for universities and colleges to train all STEM students, all students who want to study STEM at the graduate level, including women. So I think that that's much broader than simply entrepreneurs, but I think that we need to ensure that we fill that pipeline so that then we have a strong pipeline that can then lead into women in all technology as well as um, entrepreneurs. Mm. And I feel like that was a good in, uh, lead into the next question in that you answered pretty much half of this. Um, but the next one being, what do you think it will take to bring Canada's entrepreneurship and scale up landscape to the next level? And what kind of role do you see the ecosystem playing in that? What kind of role would you see an organization like Startup Canada playing in that? Absolutely. So um, I mentioned at the beginning that I believe that Canada is an amazing place to grow a business. And I, uh, I wholeheartedly believe that. And when I think about, hey, what do you need in order to have a successful ecosystem that fosters entrepreneurs? I think about three things. I think about um, talent. We talked a little bit about STEM talent, but frankly, we also need all types of talent. So if you need ability to sell, you need ability to lead and manage, but you need that talent. You also need funding. We talked a little bit about funding. The amount of funding in Canada has grown significantly. For instance, early stage funding of Canadian-based technology companies has doubled in the past three years. So funding, and then you need ambition. So you need ambition from the founder. So again, you know, you need talent, you need um, funding, and you need ambition. And by ambition, I mean the desire of entrepreneurs to build huge companies. And historically, on that third point, um, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, our Canadian entrepreneurs are not ambitious enough. That has been the rhetoric that so it's sort of perpetrated a bit of the Canadian tech ecosystem and they will sell out early and go and retire. And that has changed significantly over the past five years. And a lot of that is led by role models. And Shopify is probably the best example of this, where entrepreneurs are now saying, hey, if Shopify can build a multi-billion dollar business in Canada, then why can't I do that? And I want to shoot higher. And so 
I think, as I said, those three things, the, the talent, the funding, and the ambition, I view those really as a network effect and a snowball, and the mo- and success begets success. So getting back to your, to your question, what will it take to bring Canada's entrepreneurial uh, and scale-up landscape to the next level? I think it's the continued um, growth of the ecosystem. And as I said, it's a snowball, it's a network, it, it, and it's growing. So the more success begets success, the more successful companies we have, the more that we'll have successful talent that can go on and fa- and fa- and um, launch the next generation of businesses, the more the talent is being attracted to Canada, the more ambitious our entrepreneurs are. And I can tell you, um, in the past month, I was over in Europe talking, I was in California talking, to a bunch of Japanese investors and the level of excitement in uh, internationally about Canada is extremely high and Canada is now on the global radar screen as a great place to start and grow a business and so you know what can we do as an ecosystem what can Startup Canada do I think we can continue to celebrate these successes we can continue to um hold up people who are role models, continue to drive the ambition of our entrepreneurs and make and have them realize that, hey, Canada, as I said, Canada is a great place to start and grow a business and we can compete on a global scale. Well, Janet, you'll find all of us here hard pressed to disagree, I'm sure. So I think uh, as we wrap up our conversation today, um, one thing I do want to ask if you could leave our audience with is based on everything we've talked about, what do you think is a key takeaway that entrepreneurs could take from our conversation and implement immediately in their business after listening to us today? I think what, what I would encourage entrepreneurs to do is to take the time to plan. It is so easy as an entrepreneur to who is as who's working so hard to spend every day all day in the business getting things done taking sales calls managing things and what i would encourage every entrepreneur to do is to take the time to work on the business not just in the business and what i mean by that is take the time to stop and step back and say where is this business going where do i want to take this business and how am i going to get there and that could include funding in turn to take it to the next level or maybe it doesn't but really taking the time to stop and reflect and think where's this company going what do i need to do now to ensure that the company is where i want it to be in five or ten years do you go back to the ship analogy every uh, every seafarer needs a compass right that's right and you you, you can't hit a target that you cannot see Janet, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, your expertise, your wisdom. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And again, we uh, are excited to see not only what Real Ventures does in the future, but we're excited as you are to see what the future of the entrepreneurial landscape and scale-up landscape looks like. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Janet. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern.